Today is a great day, and it is just awesome to be able to honor moms and women who fill the role of moms. But you know, today we are also going to learn from some moms. We're going to learn from some moms who preceded us to heaven, some moms who were in Jesus' family tree, all right? And if they're in Jesus' family tree, that means they're in his genealogy. So if I were to ask how many of you love reading genealogies in the Bible, I, yes, I hear the laughter. <laughs> I would guess there would be very few hands raised. But if I were to ask how many of you just kind of skip over those parts, I have a feeling, if you're honest, there would be a lot more hands raised. <laughs> Why do we do that? Sometimes we think, oh, that's just boring. Oh, let me just skip over that and get to the meat of the issue. However, if I asked you, how many of you want to be remembered by your family and future generations? And you want them to name you when they're telling their children and their grandchildren about their ancestors. I think every hand would be raised for that, right? Why? Because we all want to leave a legacy. And we will all leave a legacy of some sort. But as believers... Our goal should be to leave a godly legacy. And so today, we are going to learn from some mothers who left a godly legacy. Women who are named in Matthew's record of the genealogy of Jesus. Now, let me just ask, and this time I do want a show of hands. Have any of you ever learned anything from your mom or a mom figure in your life? Anything? Yes. All right. We can all agree we have all learned something from mom. So that tells me that all of us, whether we're mothers or not, we can all learn from these mothers we're going to look at today. And they are women who left a godly legacy because through their lives... Jesus came to earth for all of us. And you know, that is what a godly legacy is all about. Bringing Jesus to our world. Living a life that will help others find Jesus for generations to come. So, when we see the genealogy of Jesus, this isn't just something to be skipped over these are people that left a legacy and from whose lineage came the Son of God. So we're going to look at some verses. Now take a deep breath. Don't worry. We're not going to read the entire genealogy, okay? But we are going to look at a couple of verses in Matthew chapter 1. Starting in verse 1, it says, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. All right, here we go. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Judah begot Perez and Zerah by, what? By Tamar. There's a woman named here. Okay, that's unusual. Now skip down to verse 5. Salmon begot Boaz by, oh, Rahab, another woman. 
Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king. David the king begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. And we know that is Bathsheba. You see, Matthew's account of the genealogy of Jesus traces the lineage from Abraham to Jesus. 42 generations. And in these first 15 generations that we just saw, four women are named. And then jump down to verse 16. It says, And Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Here we see the fifth woman named Mary, the mother of Jesus. This is really significant because Matthew was writing to the Jews. He was in a Jewish culture. Jesus was born into a Jewish society that had a very strong patriarchal culture. So this would have been very unusual for Matthew to record women in this genealogy of Jesus. It really would have been unheard of. So that makes me take notice. That makes me think, wow, this is something special because we know that the word of God is the divinely inspired word of God. So that means that God was very intentional about seeing to it that these five women were listed here, that they were mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus. Now, obviously, we know that if we're talking about 42 generations and there's 42 fathers listed here, that there would have been 42 mothers. We kind of know how this works, right? But only five are named. Wow, out of the 42, only five. So God is highlighting these women so that we can learn from them, learn about leaving a godly legacy. So today we are going to look at these five women. So let's see who they are. First of all, let's start with Mary, the mother of Jesus, because she is probably the most familiar to all of us. Mary was born from a Hebrew family. She was a devoted woman, devoted to God. And You know, Mary really faced some challenges in her life, not just surrounding her pregnancy, which would have been controversial in that day, but I want us to zoom in and look at Mary's life as a mother, as the mother of Jesus. I mean, think about how difficult it would have been to be Jesus' mother. Maybe you're thinking, well, he was perfect. Why would that be so hard? Well, let's think about that. I mean, first of all, we know he was a little hard to keep track of, right? Because, remember, they lost him. And uh, they're surrounded by people. It takes a little bit for them to realize he's missing. And then, can you imagine the panic that was in Mary's heart? Some of you have had that same panic when your child has gone out of sight for a few minutes. And Jesus, he says, what? I'm about my father's business. I have a feeling that wasn't the only time that happened. That would have been a little stressful for mama. And then imagine the siblings. Like, they, how would they understand what's happening? And why does he get special treatment? Why does he get to run off and go there? And what's going on? And what do you mean he's the son of God? We know that they didn't believe that he was the son of God. Can you imagine 
Mary trying to navigate that and be a mother to Jesus and all of her other kids. That would have been a little stressful, a little challenging. And then she saw her son be crucified. Think about all the challenges that would have come with her assignment. Can you imagine how unqualified, unprepared, and ill-equipped she would have felt? But when Mary said yes to the angel, be it unto me as you say, she wasn't just saying yes in that moment. She continued to have that willing heart and say yes one day at a time, one day after the next, no matter how hard it got. Moms, I know that you face challenges raising your children. That is not an easy job. I know that there have been times that you have felt unqualified, unprepared, and ill-equipped. But I want to tell you today, don't get discouraged. Mary's story tells us that no matter the challenges that come, no matter how unqualified, unprepared, ill-equipped you feel, that does not disqualify you from leaving a godly legacy. Just keep a willing, open heart like Mary had one day at a time, following God, letting him use you, letting him pour through you onto your family, and you will leave a godly legacy. Now, let's look at these other four women. I mean... Mary's this remarkable woman. These other women to be listed here, they must be remarkable. They must be really holy women. But if you know who they are, you already know that these are women who are really unlikely to be found in the lineage of Jesus. Not who you would expect. In fact, some of you, if you had people in your family tree with their stories, you would just kind of skip over them when you're telling their, your children about their ancestors. Some of you might sit around the dinner table and, and even joke about them. Oh, yeah, well, you don't want to turn out like great-grandma, grandma, great-great-great-great-great-grandma who had this crazy life. We might omit them from the story. We might make jokes about them. But God did not do that. He didn't omit them. He didn't mock them. He valued them for their godly legacy. And he saw to it that their names were recorded to speak to every one of us today and for every generation. So let's look at these four women. First of all, Tamar. Now, Tamar was not of Jewish descent, as you would expect in the lineage of Jesus. She was a Canaanite woman, a heathen Gentile. And Tamar's husband was the oldest son of Judah, and he was considered wicked by God. Judgment came upon him, and he died. But according to the law in that day, she would then marry his brother and have a child with his brother. And that child would not be considered the brother's child. That child would be considered the son of 
the first husband so that he would then have an heir and his bloodline name would continue. So she marries the brother. But the brother refused to give her a child. So he was considered wicked in God's eyes and he was killed. So then next, according to the law, she would then marry the third brother. And there were only three brothers in the family. And so Judah says, okay, I'll give you my third son. He's not old enough yet. So go back to your parents' house and wait there. Wait until he's old enough and I will give him to you. So she goes and she waits at her parents' home. Years pass by. More years pass by. And Judah did not keep good on his promise because he was afraid that his third son would end up dying as well if he married her. So Tamar is in a predicament. Since this third son had been promised to her, she was bound to him. She couldn't go outside the family. She couldn't start a new life in that culture. She couldn't do anything but wait. Imagine how abandoned and rejected and unwanted she would have felt. But Tamar refused to let that be her lot in life. She knew that it was legally her right to have a child to perpetuate her husband's bloodline, and she was determined to make that happen. So after her mother-in-law died, Judah's wife, after she passes, Tamar does the only thing she can think of to do. So she disguises herself as a prostitute with a veil covering her face, and she stood on the roadside where she knew her father-in-law, Judah, would be passing through. And he propositions her. And she asks that he give her some very identifying items of his that she holds on to. Now, she's smart. She knows, I'm going to hold on to these because if I turn up pregnant, anyone will know that these are his, and I'll have proof that he is the father. She was protecting herself. And that's exactly how it unfolded. And when Judah realized that she was pregnant by him, in Genesis 38, verse 26, it tells us that Judah declared that Tamar was more righteous than he was because he withheld that which had been promised to her. Now, in our culture today, it's a little hard for us to get our heads around this story, right? But <laughs> what we do know is that her intentions were out of loyalty to her family to give her husband an heir and to perpetuate the bloodline. Bible commentaries agree that this was a very courageous act on Tamar's part. She is called righteous. And God chose not only to position her in the lineage of Jesus, but to name her among these very few women that were named in this genealogy. Let me ask you, have you ever felt rejected, abandoned, unwanted like Tamar? Obviously, different circumstances. <laughs> but probably at some time in our lives, we have all had those feelings. 
I know I've walked through things in my life where I have felt that way. Maybe moms, maybe at times you have felt that way. I mean, if you have teenagers, it's very possible that sometimes they have rejected your advice or counsel. Sometimes we go through things where we can feel like we're not wanted, like no, we're not needed, we're unimportant, we're insignificant. And the enemy would love to convince us that that's just our lot in life, that's the way it's always going to be. No one's going to want to hear from us or anything that we have, and we could never leave a godly legacy. But God wants us to be courageous like Tamar. You see, today, we have the Word of God. And this Word is full of God's promises for us. He has a purpose for our life. He has plans for our life. And just like Tamar went after what was rightfully hers, God wants us to courageously go after what is rightfully ours as well. See, Tamar's story tells us that being rejected, being abandoned, being treated like we are unwanted is not the end of our story and does not disqualify us from leaving a godly legacy. Now, let's look at Rahab. Rahab is also named here. Rahab was also a Canaanite, not of Jewish descent. Rahab was a prostitute. Four times in scripture, it identifies her as Rahab the harlot. It's as if that was her identity. Everyone knew that that's who she was. It's how they identified her. But she did something. When Joshua sent the two spies into Jericho to spy out the land, she hid them. She allowed them to come into her house. She hid them. And as a result, she saved their lives. Now, you have to remember, she's a Canaanite woman. They're Israelites. This is the enemy. She's committing treason. She could have been put to death. But instead, she chose to believe in the God of these Israelites. And then when Joshua destroyed Jericho, God spared Rahab and her entire family. Hebrews 11.31, it says, By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. See, she experienced God's grace. Imagine how easy it would have been for her to just think that because of her sinful past, she wasn't good enough to come to God, that he wouldn't want her, he wouldn't accept her. She could have carried shame and embarrassment over the sins of her past, but she did not allow that to stop her from coming to God. Have you ever had things in your life that you've been ashamed of? Things that you were embarrassed of and really didn't want people to know? You don't have to shake your heads yes, just keep looking forward. No one will know there's skeletons in your closet. <laughs> we all have. We all have things in our lives that we're ashamed of, that we're embarrassed about. And the enemy would love to beat us up with those things and keep us from coming to God, convince us that he doesn't want us, that we're not good enough. But Rahab did not allow that to happen. 
Don't let the enemy lie to you. Rahab's story tells us that a past of sin, of shame, and embarrassment does not disqualify us from leaving a godly legacy. All right, now let's look at Ruth. Ruth was a Moabite. Gentiles who were idol worshipers and they mistreated the Israelites. They were considered cursed people. And she's in the lineage of Jesus. This is pretty amazing. She was married into a Jewish family and her husband died before they had children. But his only brother also died. So it appeared that there was no one else that she could marry through the family line. So the only way that she could have a family and a future would be to go back to her parents' home and start life over. But for Ruth, that was not an option. You see, something had changed inside Ruth, and she came to have faith in God. So she chose to leave her family, her land. She chose to leave all security that she could have had for her future. She chose to leave her past of being idol worshipers. She chose to leave everything that she'd ever known in Moab and go with her mother-in-law, Naomi, to Bethlehem. I want us to think about Ruth from a little bit different angle than maybe we've thought about Ruth in the past when we talked about Ruth. I want us to think about her past before she even got married because this was no little thing for her to leave Moab. You see, she didn't grow up knowing God. Her family, everyone she knew were idol worshipers. They worshiped a God called Chermosh, which means dunghill deity. Everything she'd ever been taught about God was about a false God. But Ruth made a decision to leave all of that in the past. This was no little thing. And Ruth's famous words are found in Ruth 1, verses 16 and 17, where she says to her mother-in-law, Naomi, where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And then listen to what she says. She says, where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. You see, that makes it clear that Ruth did not even leave the slightest crack in the door of option to return to Moab. She turned her back on what was in the past. She was leaving the life of worshiping idols, of the life of emptiness, of not knowing God. She was leaving all of that in the past and setting a new course for her life. And when she got to Bethlehem, she saw God bring supernatural restoration and redemption in her life. You know, maybe you can relate. Maybe you didn't grow up believing in God. Maybe you've even been taught different things about faith and you've been a little bit confused about God. Maybe you know about God but you haven't yet experienced your own personal relationship with him, I want to tell you today, it is never too late to come to God. Bring your questions to him. 
That doesn't bother him. He wants to answer them. He wants to bring clarity. He wants to bring truth into your life. You see, Ruth's story tells us that no matter what our past faith experiences have been or haven't been, that does not disqualify us from leaving a godly legacy if we choose to set a course following God like Ruth did. Now, I want to tack on here something. Maybe you are here today and you raised your children before you found relationship with God. I want to encourage you. Don't waste time looking back over your shoulder thinking, oh, if only I had found Jesus earlier. If only I had done something different. You see, that's the enemy. He just wants to beat you up with that. Don't waste time looking back over your shoulder. Just start setting your course now, following God, praying for your kids, praying for your family. And you know what? Those adult kids, they're watching your life now. Maybe you have grandkids or will have grandkids. They will be watching your life. Others around you are watching your life. Just follow God and you will leave a godly legacy. All right, one more. Let's talk about Bathsheba. Now Bathsheba, she was from a Hebrew family. And not only was her husband one of King David's 30 elite warriors, but her father was as well. And her grandfather was one of King David's chief advisors. And scripture tells us that Bathsheba was a beautiful young woman who followed Jewish law. And one day David saw her bathing on her rooftop. And it says that he sent some of his men to take her and bring her to him. And as a result of their encounter, she became pregnant. Now, her husband, Uriah, was off at war, fighting for King David. But long story short, David had Uriah killed to cover up their adultery. And then, to make matters worse, one week after giving birth to the baby, the baby dies. Bathsheba experienced one tragedy after another. And then after Uriah's death, David took Bathsheba as one of his wives, and they ended up having four more sons together. But can you imagine the tragedies, the pain, the suffering that would have come out of that, that Bathsheba would have endured? But we know that she did not allow that pain, that suffering to shape her future. Because we see her son, King Solomon, honoring her. In 1 Kings 2.19, it says that when she came in and he saw her, he bowed down to her. He gave her a throne at his right hand and had her seated there. That honor has never been given to anyone by any king in the Old Testament. And Many Bible scholars believe that the Proverbs 31 woman is Bathsheba. So we know that she did not allow the pain of her past to shape her future. What about us? 
We all experience pain and suffering at times and in all different ways. But we have to realize that the enemy would love to use that to keep us stuck and to convince us that we can't be used by God. We've been through too much. This pain, this turmoil, it's, it's not going to go away. The enemy is a liar. God is the healer of the brokenhearted. And we need to recognize that and know that God wants to move us forward. And Bathsheba's story tells us that tragedy, that pain, that suffering does not disqualify us from leaving a godly legacy when we just keep following God, keep a right heart, and live an honorable life. You know, these four unlikely women in the lineage of Jesus... They were ordinary women. They were women who stumbled at times. They were women who were unlikely to shape history. These women were from all different backgrounds and walks of life. These women were people just like you and me. And they show us that you do not have to be perfect to leave a godly legacy and live a life that leads others to Jesus. You don't have to be a theologian to leave a godly legacy. You don't have to have a platform or great accolades or achievements or have a million followers on social media to be influential and leave a godly legacy. When we simply, purely believe in God, Leave the past in the past and follow him. We will leave a godly legacy. But can I tell you, there is one thing about these four women that really strikes me the most. And that is that none of them ever knew. They never knew they were part of the lineage of Jesus. They had no idea the bigger picture that they were part of. In their lifetime on this earth, none of them knew that their legacy would be part of bringing the Son of God to earth. They had no idea how significant their motherhood was. They had no idea that through their lives, people would find Jesus and be changed forever. But I want to tell you today that just like those women, this side of eternity, you will never know the full impact of your legacy. Moms, you have no idea how significant your motherhood is. You are part of God's bigger picture, bigger plan for this earth. A godly legacy is one that will impact generation after generation after generation. Maybe today you're thinking, well, I can't see it. I don't know how that would ever happen. I want to tell you, a godly legacy is one where God is in the middle of it. And he is supernatural. 
And he will work through you in ways beyond what you will ever know. He will work through you in ways beyond what you can ever, ever imagine. So moms, take the pressure off yourselves. You don't have to be perfect. Just simply, purely follow God. And he will work through you and leave a godly legacy that will remain for generation after generation. I want to pray for all the moms in this place in just a moment. But before we do that, I want us also to notice that Jesus came from a line of sinners. We've just seen it. Because he came for sinners. To break the power of sin and death off of our lives to help us find new life. You know, the Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But it also says that God loves each and every one of us so much that he gave his only son to die for us. And if we believe in him, we will not perish, but we will have everlasting life with him. And maybe you're in this place today. And maybe you haven't yet experienced your own personal relationship with God. Maybe you haven't yet surrendered your life to him. Why wait? Why wait another day, another moment? He loves you. He created you and he longs to live out every day with you and work through your life. So if you want to start a relationship with God today, I want to invite you to pray with me. We're all going to pray together in this place. And it's not that there's anything special about my words, but I want to ask you, if you want to start a relationship with God, or maybe you just feel like, I haven't surrendered fully to God, and you want to surrender to God. I want to ask you to just wrap your heart around these words. And I want to ask everyone if we could all just pray this prayer together. Just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love me. That you sent Jesus to die for me. So that I can live in relationship with you. And right now I surrender my life to you. I ask you, Jesus, to be the Lord of my life. Help me to grow in relationship with you every day from this day forward. In Jesus' name. And while your heads are bowed, I just want to pray for every person in this place. God, I pray right now that you would help each and every one of us here, every person watching online, know that we can leave a godly legacy, that you created us to leave a godly legacy. God, I pray that you would help us to be people who would leave the past in the past, that we would reach forward and follow you. God, we don't have to impress people. We don't have to do great things, be theologians to leave a godly legacy. God, help us to understand that, that we can just simply follow you and help us to do that. God, work through our lives.
to do beyond what we can ever imagine. And Father, I especially want to pray for every mom in this place right now. Father, I know you love them so much. They are so incredibly valuable to you. You see every detail of their lives, everything on their plates. God, I pray right now that you would just wash over them with your presence, embrace them with your love. God, I pray that they would take pressure off of themselves. They, they would know they don't have to be perfect. God, encourage their hearts today. Help them to see that they can simply, purely follow you, love you, and you will pour through their lives into their families, and you will do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond anything they can ever imagine. God, I pray that they would be able to rest in you. God, may your peace wash over their hearts today. God, I pray your joy would just overflow their hearts. And Father, I am asking that you would open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings upon each and every one of them beyond what they can ever contain. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer with me to invite Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, I want to tell you that is the greatest decision of your life. But it's just the beginning of starting a relationship with God and walking with him every day. And so we just have a simple little tool that we would love to give to you that will help you get started walking with God. And you can get that one of two ways. After we dismiss, we'll have a prayer team standing down front here. They will have them. You can come and get one from any of them. They'd love to pray with you if you'd like prayer. And you can also get a Next 7 Days book at the Next 7 Days counter out in the floor you will see it between the glass doors. Okay, hey, can we give a hand for those who have decided to follow Jesus today? Awesome. And can we give Pastor Ann a good hand for that message this morning? Just before we go this morning, as we do every Sunday, we take just a moment to honor God with our giving, a way of saying thank you to him for his goodness and his blessing in our lives, a way of expressing our faith in him. And I just want to say this morning to everybody, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Uh, our church is moving forward. God is using us to touch a lot of people in the valley and through missions around the world. It's not because we have a handful of people who carry it. It's because everybody does their part. And I want to say thank you today. And just a quick update. You know, there, there are several different ways you can give, and most of you give online or other ways anyway. But I, I just want to say this morning, about a month ago, I challenged us as a church from the middle of April through the end of May to give a special offering towards outreach, really towards foreign missions to help uh, bless some ministries around the world and some projects that we're working on with different missions groups. And I just felt it in my heart that over that period of time, we as a church could raise $100,000 to bless 
missionaries and bless projects that we want to be involved in above what we normally do in monthly support. And you've still got today and two more Sundays. I didn't ask for faith promises where you fill out a card. I just said, hey, if it's in your heart, make your commitment to God. And so I want to encourage you, fulfill that commitment you've made to God and watch God bless your life. Here's a cool thing. It looks like we're going to exceed that $100,000 mark. Can you say praise God? So you say, okay, well, if we exceed 100000 can I have my money back? No, we're going to expand our vision and do more for the kingdom. But I just want to say thank you. God bless you. And this morning, just before you go, don't forget, if you're new to the Bridge Church, next Sunday morning after second service, 1 o'clock sharp, we have what we call starting point. That's where you find out how you can get connected with the Bridge Church, meet the pastors, meet some new people yourself, make some new friends. Hey, we'd love to see you there. Just be sure and sign up online so we can prepare for you and your children. There'll be child care and food for them as well. God bless you. Have a great, great week and happy Mother's Day.